0: Good morning. Good morning. Man, I love Journey Camp. Uh, I love Crystal. I love that Malcolm is on the front row. I never thought I would see that. Woo! Telling you what, only Crystal could do that. Guys, uh, isn't it great uh, to be a part of God's family and uh, be a part of Journey Church? I'm just so glad you guys are here. And, um, you know, today we're going to wrap up a series, but next Sunday we're going to start a new series uh, that I've been, I'm excited about. It's called Cherish. Cherish. Have you ever thought about the word cherish, what that really means? Uh, A lot of you, in fact, probably most of you promised you were going to do that to somebody, uh, your spouse, and uh, we'll see uh, kind of a checkup of how that's going. But along with that, I don't want you to think it's just a marriage series because it's going to focus on that. It's not just about men, how you treat your wives, it's wives, how you treat your husbands, but it's also how you treat the people in your life that you care about. The people, do you treat them like you ought to treat them like Jesus want you to treat them? So uh, I'm excited that's going to start next week. Today, we're going to finish up after I Believe. And uh, I don't know why, uh, somehow the last couple of days, I've been um, kind of uh, reminded of Creedence Clearwater Revival. I don't, it's kind of weird. I don't know why. I kind of like them growing up. Some of you guys my age, you probably get that, and uh, uh, John Fogarty and everything like that. But one song they had, Have You Ever Seen the Rain? Uh, you know, but, but, you know, I, I digress. But anyway, rate, have you ever seen the wind? That's, that's what we're going to talk about today. Have you ever seen the wind? You know, a couple years ago, I, um, I've, I've got some cows at home and I have to feed them through the winter. So a couple years ago, I had a large roll bale of hay in the back of my truck and we loaded it in there and I thought, you know, it'll be fine. I mean, you know, I'm going to be driving for about an hour. I came from my dad's. It'll be fine. But I thought I better put a strap over just in case. So I'm driving down the road, the speed limit. Uh, of course, and all of a sudden I feel this bump, and I hear something. I'm like, "What in the world has happened?" And uh, and the wind. Now these things weigh about a thousand pounds, but the wind had flipped that bale of hay over in my truck, almost out of the truck. The only thing that held it in, in fact, was that strap that I had loosely put over it. So it was sticking out the back of my truck. This huge bale of hay was sticking out. And uh, and it almost blew out of the truck. I couldn't believe that. Now you're gonna to want to know how I got it back in, aren't you? Some of you are redneck like me. And I'm like, how in the world am I gonna get it in? Uh, so I all on the way, I looked for a tree. There was no tree. But when I finally got up to uh, the exit, there was a concrete wall. And I backed my truck into that wall and pushed the bale hay back in there. Redneck city, right? I'm telling you, I'm horrible. I'm horrible. But the amazing thing to me was that the wind had that kind of power that could move a 1,000-pound bell of hay going up 55 or whatever it was thereabouts, all right? Just one example of the wind. I mean, but think about the wind. Think about tornadoes like we saw over in western Kentucky. And think about the um, uh, hurricanes that we read about. If you've ever seen the damage, the straight-line wind that comes up. And other wind forces, they can do incredible damage. And here's the amazing thing is you can't see it. You cannot see the wind. It is an amazing force, but only can you see the results of the wind. It's really kind of hard to wrap your head around and think about it, understand. Well, today I'm going to conclude this series that we've been in for a couple of weeks now called After I Believe by talking about a force much like the wind. In fact, this force is literally called the breath of God. Isn't that amazing? The breath of God. And this force is also unseen, but it's much greater than any kind of natural force of wind or nature that we could ever experience. And the Bible more specifically and familiarly calls this the Holy Spirit. The King James Version uses the words the Holy Ghost, but the Holy Spirit is probably a better translation and helps us understand what we're really going to talk about better. And and I want to talk about it because the Holy Spirit is not well understood by a lot of Christians. It feels very mystical or very confusing and very difficult to wrap our heads around. But it plays a huge role in our spiritual life and our spiritual growth. And so we've been talking for a few weeks about what happens after we believe. And we talked about several things that are important for us to intentionally incorporate into our life so that we're going to grow spiritually and the prayer, and reading the Word of God, and fellowship, and worship. And today, we're going to wrap up by talking about the Holy Spirit's work in our life. So what does the Bible teach us about the Holy Spirit? The Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit, first of all, is God. There should be no confusion about that. One of the most important doctrines in the Bible, and, and in Christianity, is the doctrine of the Trinity. And the Trinity means three. Tri, obviously, means three. Three and yet one. And this, of course, is the nature of God. There's one God, but three persons and personalities who are collectively God or the Godhead. There's God the Father that we're familiar with. There's God the Son, Jesus. And thirdly, there's God the Holy Spirit. Not three gods, Not three gods, one God who is composed of three persons. And each of these persons, personalities, has a unique role in ministry. They all work in different ways, and yet they all work together for a common purpose in our lives. The Holy Spirit and Jesus were together with God in creation. They are all eternal. They were not created, neither of any of them were created. They were all before creation no beginning and no end. And the Holy Spirit, like God Himself, is omnipresent, which means He is everywhere He at all times. He's omniscient, which means He is all-knowing, and omnipotent, which means that He has all power. So when you think about God and the Holy Spirit, they are one, God, Jesus, and the Spirit. So the Bible teaches us the Spirit is God. Secondly, the Bible teaches that the Holy Spirit is personal. He is personal. We might think that the Holy Spirit as a force or as it. And if I slip up and say that, I'm sorry, because it is easy to slip into that mode. But the Spirit is not an it. He is a person. He. And when we think about God and Jesus, we, we can kind of visualize um, identities, can't we, or images in our mind. For example, we've all seen what we think might be a picture of Jesus, which really isn't. But we all know that he was in a human body probably looked like most Jews of that day. We have this concept of God as being this, you know, powerful figure, but it's hard for us to visualize the Holy Spirit. And sometimes we don't think about it being, him being a person. There, I slipped and said it, right? But he is a spirit, but he is deeply personal. In the Bible, the Holy Spirit is spoken of all the time as having all the human attributes of an individual, like uh, a mind and feelings and a will. He thinks, he grieves, He he makes decisions. He is, in every way, a person. But the most important thing to understand about the Holy Spirit is how the Spirit works in your life. If you are a Christian, the Holy Spirit is in you. He is in you. In fact, that is the very work of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said when He was on the earth about the end of His ministry, Jesus said, that the Holy Spirit would be the gift that God would give His followers when Jesus Himself went back into heaven, John chapter 16. Jesus it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go, the Counselor or the Holy Spirit will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. So Jesus' disciples, when He began to talk about leaving, they became very distraught at the thought of Him being gone. Well, what are we going to do? You know, you're our leader. You're our Lord. Our Savior. Jesus said, I'm not abandoning you. I'm going back to the Father. I'm not abandoning you, though. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And he said, it will be better to have him in you than to have me with you. I love the way that is thought about. Because when Jesus was here upon the earth in his human body, if you remember, he was only in one place at one time. And he wasn't always with his disciples in person. But Jesus said, it would be better to have the Spirit with you And in you than me just here around you. Now it seems really strange for us, but Jesus said that the Spirit would not come until He went back into heaven. And the Spirit would be better because with the Holy Spirit, we have God entering into our heart and living in us and changing us from the inside out in our spirit. And notice the word that Jesus used to describe the Spirit here in John 16 He calls Him a counselor. And a counselor is one who walks alongside of you, who works with you to reach the uh, conclusion that you want to come to. So we're not in this Christian life alone. We're not abandoned. Even with other Christians, we have something greater. We have God who is greater. We have the Spirit who walks with us and is in us to make us more like Jesus, which is His purpose. And He changes us from the inside out. Listen to Romans chapter 8. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Him at all. And so if we don't have the Spirit in us, then we're not the children of God. The Holy Spirit is essential also because He is the power of God unleashed in our lives to make us increasingly like Jesus. That's His mission and work. I mean, we can read God's Word, which we should, and we can, you know, absorb this information. We can be influenced by God's people, those around us in community. We can come together and worship and go through all the motions, but the Holy Spirit's work is much greater than that because He can penetrate our heart and our mind and transform us in ways that we can't really fully understand. And in fact, His presence is a constant reminder to us And I believe also like a magnetic draw on our lives toward God and his desire for our lives. So if you're a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit in you given at your baptism. Listen to what it says in Acts chapter 2. And this was on the day of Pentecost when Peter was introducing the gospel to people who had never heard it. When he was kind of telling them who Jesus was and what he had done and his completed uh, plan of salvation for them. And they said, what do we do in response? Peter said this, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is given to you, to your children, to those far away, all who have been called by the Lord our God. So, God, Jesus said that you are to be baptized— And Peter said, when you are baptized, you're going to not only have your sins forgiven, but you're also going to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, you may wonder, okay, if I have the Holy Spirit in my life, then why don't I feel Him more? Why isn't He more real to me? Why isn't He more active in me? And I think the answer to that is that while you may have the Spirit in you, the real question is, how much does the Spirit have of your life? How much space do you give him in your life you got everything else going on does the spirit really have a hold in your life Amen. or is he in some back corner that you don't allow him to have much influence Amen. you know several years ago i heard someone make this statement that i love they said the holy spirit is a gentleman he will not force his way into your life or onto your will he is a gentleman i like that idea you know he's loving he's kind he is available but he's a gentleman he'll let you put him or Uh, keep him from being as active as you want. However, the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit's work and desire is to direct and lead your life. Not just be in the back corner that you call on when you need it, but instead in the front, on the front stage. In Ephesians chapter 5, Paul says, now that you have the Holy Spirit, be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. See, Paul was writing this to Christians who had the Holy Spirit but here he's encouraging them that they need to seek more of the Spirit, that they want to, should be seek to be filled with the Spirit. And the idea is that we should continue to be filled, while we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit in our baptism, that we should continue to be filled or keep on being filled, which is the language there, by letting the Holy Spirit fill us. Let yourself be filled. In other words, it is an ongoing process. It's not like we go, okay, I've been baptized, got the Spirit, check, and let's move on to something else. It's a continual seeking of the Spirit, an opening, allowing the Spirit to fill us. Now, we might ask, well, why do we need that? Well, first of all, we need more of the Spirit because we need to be led more by the Spirit. But we also need to be refilled because we all leak the Holy Spirit. The Spirit kind of leaves us, you know, not in His own, but we kind of push Him back. The leading... We get our head on something, we get, you know, doing our way, and soon we forget about the Holy Spirit sometime. See, it's not like we're some kind of leaky container that God just keeps pouring the Spirit in. Instead, the Holy Spirit is a person, so being filled is a very personal thing. We invite the Spirit into our life. We invite Him and give Him more space in our life. So, being filled with the Holy Spirit means that we allow Him to occupy and guide and control an ever-increasing area's of our life. As we discover, here's an area of my life that I've been resistant to God in. Here's an area that I see that I need to give to God. I need to allow God uh, to have this part of my life. It uh, It might be your language. It might be you realize, you know, I'm not talking like the Holy Spirit is talking through me, or I'm not thinking like the Holy Spirit wants me to think, or I'm not treating my spouse like the Spirit would want me to treat them, or I'm not working for my employer, like the Spirit would want me to be working. And we began to see, you know, I need a little bit of help in these areas of my life. And the more you follow the Holy Spirit and the more freedom you give Him in your life and more room, the more you're filled. And the more you're filled, the more you're led and then filled again and again. And I think that's just an incredible way to think about how the Spirit works in our life. The filling of, of the Holy Spirit is a natural thing and normal, and it's manifest by our Christ-like actions. Everything of the Holy Spirit is that we become more like Jesus. I believe in in many ways, contrary to what some people speak about the Holy Spirit, it's not weird and doing weird things. It's instead becoming more like Jesus, quiet, loving, being Jesus, the Jesus He would have us to be. Now, since the Holy Spirit is the most powerful force in our life for true life change, it's one reason why I wanted to say this to the end of the series, because it's such a powerful part of our spiritual growth. Let's kind of go back and tie a couple things together we've already talked about. You know, we talked about the importance of reading the Bible. And, and do you know who the true author of the Bible is? I mean, it has, every book has a name of someone who wrote it, But the Bible says that these writers were led along and inspired by the Holy Spirit when they wrote them. And so if reading the Bible, reading the Bible is so important because we are letting the Spirit speak into our life. As the words come, the breath of God comes into our life, and that's what transforms us. The Spirit also helps us translate the Bible truths into our life for practical living. The Spirit helps us surrender to God's truth and helps us make the changes in our life that we need to make to grow toward Him. He prompts us to act and move by giving us uh, direct guidance and promptings and convictions. And then we talked about the importance of community. The Holy Spirit works in the advice and the counsel of others as the Spirit speaks through them. You know, you share a problem with another believer, and they kind of tell you what what God's teaching them or what the Spirit may be leading them to say. And whenever we gather to worship with other believers, we know and we sense the presence of the Holy Spirit in that place. So the Holy Spirit also gives us the raw power and experience that we need to follow through doing what we know we ought to do. Because we're not good. We can't do that on our own. None of us are that good. We all are are human. We're all vulnerable. Uh, And so we're not just trying to be good and be like Jesus by our own power and human effort. But we have the power of the Holy Spirit, the actual outgoing power of God to help us. And so because of that, we should never say, I just can't be the person that God wants me to be. We, We should never say that because it's not true. We can with the Spirit's help. The Spirit comes alongside of us and comforts and encourages us and lovingly guides us to do the right thing. And that's why the Holy Spirit is hurt whenever we sin. Because whenever you give in to patterns of sin, or whenever you leave an unconfessed and unrepented and unacknowledged sin in your life, you're turning the Holy Spirit away. You're shutting Him out, and you're refusing His work in your life. And in essence, you are rejecting Him. And by the way, when you reject the Holy Spirit, you are rejecting God. Now, how does the Spirit respond? Well, the Bible says that the Spirit is grieved, that you sadden the Holy Spirit when you don't let Him have the power and presence in your life that He longs to have. And then if we continue to ignore or or quench the Holy Spirit, we can actually extinguish the Holy Spirit's work in our life. And so that's the danger of ignoring the leading of the Spirit. If you are seeking the Spirit, and then when you know the Spirit is, you know, leading you or directing you, and you ignore that, after a while, you just don't it just kind of goes away, to be honest with you, it really does. And, and I don't know about you, but there have been times when I have uh, been prompted to uh, give somebody a call, a phone call, stop by to see someone, you know, ask somebody personally how to do that, you know, about what's going on in their life. And, and if I do that, I always discovered there was a reason for that. There was God had a plan, and you know, not that I'm no read people's mind, but the Holy Spirit kind of prompts us. But I've also discovered if I ignore that prompting that after a while, the opportunity goes away. And I I realize that I've let God down, and I've ignored the Holy Spirit. So the power of the Spirit is practical and and immediate in our life. Let's look at some practical ways as well that the Spirit leads us. And I'm going to read a long passage from Ephesians chapter 4. But this is where Paul gets extremely practical about the Spirit's working in our life in ways that maybe you never thought about. He says uh, in Ephesians 4, Since you have heard about Jesus... And you've learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we're all parts of the same body. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down when you're angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. If you're a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good hard work and then give generously to others in need. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, He has identified you as His own, guaranteeing that you will be saved in the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Now, I don't know about you, but there were several things in that passage that prompted me to think, okay, language, anger, treatment of people, you know, loving people, uh, forgiving people. There's a lot of things in there that we're commanded to do, but throughout that whole scripture ran the theme of the Holy Spirit em- empowering us to do the things that we're being commanded to do. So that's how the Holy Spirit works in our life to make us more like Christ and to help us grow spiritually. But again, the real question is, how much of do you does the Holy Spirit really have? How much have you, are you allowing Him to speak and lead in your life? How much influence? How much authority? How much power? What kind of voting power are you giving the Holy Spirit in your life when you are struggling with the decision? Who wins? Who leads? You know, I think uh, it, it really sounds pretty easy, but, but it gets difficult in reality. And that's probably why Jesus said something like this in Luke chapter 9. He said, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Amen. You know, to me, it seems like there is an internal conflict we have. We have two forces in us, the human force and the Spirit, Holy Spirit force. And so many times they clash because we don't always do what the Spirit wants us to do. And we have to decide, Spirit has a vote, flesh has a vote, who wins? You know, the the tiebreaker, right? Which power or which part, which force do we empower? You know, we talked sometime, Jesus said, you have to take up your cross. And we talk about having a cross to bear. But for Jesus, he wasn't just about a decision to make or a sacrifice that literally was instrument of torture and humiliation and pain and, and eventually death that he had to choose because that's where the Spirit led him. Jesus called people to follow after him. And, and Jesus, when he calls us to follow, it was because he was going to the cross. And he said, you have to bear your own cross. The Christian life is a life of commitment and sacrifice and oftentimes suffering. There was one account where Jesus said to a man, follow me. But the man replied, Lord, first let me go bury my father. And Jesus said to him, let the dead bury the dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. So here was an occasion where Jesus is commanding the guy. The spirit uh, no doubt was leading the guy, but but there were some human forces pulling him in the other way. And whenever we read these words, it sounds a little bit harsh. It's like, can't the guy even go bury his father? But when you look at it a little bit closer, that's not really what was going on. In fact, the father wasn't necessarily even sick. What the man says is that he wanted to go back and he wanted to go and wait for his father to die and maybe take over the family business and and run it for a while before he follows Jesus. That's kind of the phrase that's used there. He was saying that his life with all of its issues and all of its concerns and responsibilities was more important at the moment than following Jesus. And you know, that kind of is the decision that we have to make as well every day of our life. In essence, what he was saying, Jesus, it's not a good time for me. I got a lot going on, and my plate's full. I know what you want, and I really want to follow you, but it's not a good time. And you know what? I've heard a thousand variations of this, a thousand. And we probably all said them, to be honest with you. It sounds something like this. It says, you know, I love the Lord, but Sunday is the only day that I have to do my yard work or to sleep in. Or, you know, we bought this camper or boat or cabin, you fill in the blank, and we have to use it, you know. It's only good stewardship to use what we bought, right? Or, you know, the kids, are, they're playing away every weekend this summer, so maybe we'll see you in the fall. Or, you know, I believe in Jesus, I just don't go to church. Or I don't have time to serve. I don't have time to be in a group, I'm just too busy with life. Or, you know, I know God wants me to give, but we can't give anything right now, but when we pay off the house, we get our retirement covered and get the kids through college, then I'm going to be generous. And you know, we've all made those kind of excuses, right? Kind of like putting the spirit back when we know we're prompted to do something. But here's the thing. They're just excuses to put off God, doing what God wants with our lives. Because there will always be something if we let it. There will always be something. You know, I think I'm reminded of Jesus and the rich young ruler who came to him. And, you know, he wanted to follow Jesus. Jesus said, well, sell everything you have because he knew money was the big issue in this guy's heart. And he walked away. He walked away. But, But we do that all the time. You know, there's always something if we let it. And all the while, time is passing. Children are growing up without Jesus. The Holy Spirit's being ignored. People are dying every day. Have you noticed how many people are dying lately? People are dying outside of Christ. The Spirit's ignored, grieved, and quenched. You know, it breaks God's heart. It should break our heart. But that's also one of the ways that God shows his love for us. He allows us freedom of choice, even to our own destruction, to ignore the Spirit's leading in our life. Going back to this guy, Jesus challenged him to follow him. But like a lot of us, the men deflected and excused themselves with what seemed like a good excuse. Excuse. Notice what Jesus said to the man. He said, let the dead bury the dead. To paraphrase that, basically what he's saying is let those who are spiritually lifeless order their life around things that don't have any eternal significance. And there are people who do that every day. You make your focus the things of the world, the moment. Let those who care more about this world than the spiritual world build their lives and their commitments and their decisions around things and activities and relationships that really won't matter at the end of their life. And that's basically what we do for the most part. To follow Jesus means that your heart is fully His. Following Jesus is not something you can do on the side in your spare time. It's not something, I said at the beginning of the series, your spiritual life is not something you add in to everything else. He wants all of us. The Apostle Paul understood that. In Philippians 3, he said, But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ." What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I've lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in Him. You know, the Apostle Paul, before he followed Jesus, he had the best of life. He had power, prestige, he had wealth, he had everything that goes with it, and he was set for life. He had it all. But having Jesus made everything else pale in comparison. And in fact, he uses the word garbage, which is kind of a nice word, kind of cleaned up. It means manure or dung. We might use a different word today. Everything is manured compared to knowing Jesus. You know, I wonder what it is that each of us value in life. The one thing that we value more may be the thing that's standing between us and a true relationship with Christ. And it may be what the Holy Spirit is prompting us to say, you know, you've got you to make a decision on this thing. You've got to decide me or it. And maybe the decision isn't quite that clear, but if you put some thought into it, probably would be, and you really decide what you're going to pursue in life. And that may actually be the thing that prevents you from going to heaven, like the rich young man and his money. And if you've been thinking about what God might want for your life and listening to Him, you may know that God is calling you to make a decision of some sort today. And you know what that decision probably is yourself. That you need to come to Jesus, start the relationship, be obedient to Him in some way, make a decision, get off the fence, whatever it may be, it's unique to each of us. But I encourage you to search your heart and let that decision come to the forefront and make it. Maybe it's a decision that you'll make that will change the future of your life dramatically. I don't, I don't know. Or maybe it will change where your focus or your heart really stands for the next few years or the rest of your time. I don't know. You, you need to come to your, the point in your life where you're courageous enough and bold enough, decisive enough to make that. And the Spirit will help you do that if you push through that. And you know, one of the specific ways the Spirit helps us is in prayer. And I want to wrap up with this scripture uh, today because this is such a powerful part of the Spirit's work in our life. Romans chapter 8, in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness, we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our heart knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. If your heart is burdened and you're not even sure what you ought to be praying for, seek the Spirit's leading and He will guide you into wisdom, understanding, direction, and clarity as He intercedes for us in accordance with the will of God. I think that's a powerful thing, and I want to wrap up on that, uh, wrap up with that. You know, uh, uh, one of the things that I've been reading and just an observation made of the church post-COVID is that one of the big things? Is rediscovering the power of prayer uh, in the church and in individual lives, and even within our service? And one of the things that we've been—I've been, been noticing—is that uh, people have felt maybe more free to come forward and pray, and that's a good thing. Um, and I, I want to encourage you toward that if you want to at this time. And I want to encourage you to uh, just feel free. You know, maybe you want to come forward. Maybe you want to pray with somebody. Maybe you want to pray for someone who doesn't know the Lord, maybe your heart's burdened with the cares and the problems of this world, uh, you know, the, the, the war in Ukraine, whatever it may be, uh, we want to give you a chance to to do that and just express that. If you want somebody to pray with us, I'm going to be up front of my Zach and Tony, if you guys would just step forward here and just be available for people that may just want to come or if you want to be on your own or whatever it may be. Uh, but let's rediscover the power and at least, let's seek the Holy Spirit's leading in our prayer as well. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this morning. And God, we thank you so much for your spirit who who moves in us and and moves in our prayers. And Lord, as your word says, that sometimes we don't even have the words to express what our heart is dealing with or struggling with. So Lord, thank you for your spirit in us who moves and intercedes our thoughts, our desires for your will. Lord, we know that there's a lot in our world to fear, there's a lot to be confused about. Father, we know that you have the answers. And as we seek you, we discover a peace that only you can give. Lord, I pray that peace for everyone that begins with the right relationship with you, but then continues with walking your will and according to your will and discovering what your specific desire and will for our lives is. Father, I know that there are decisions to be made. and Father, last week we got a chance to share with three people who gave their life to Christ and were baptized. And Lord, I know there are those today who have the same need. Lord, I pray and know your spirit is tugging on hearts this morning. And I pray that there would be an openness and receptiveness to hear your spirit. Lord, I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's rise together and worship.